Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am Dr. Alicia Buetes. And I'm Jacob Shackman. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Hi everyone, today we are having another educational episode, continuing the one where we'll be speaking about electrospinning. I would like to thank everyone who has been supporting the Polymer Science Podcast. I really appreciate that you are listening to these episodes and that you're enjoying them. So I realized that I haven't actually spoken about Polymer Science Podcast and how it all started. I just wanted to use this opportunity since we are over 200 listeners which I really never expected to happen. It's a privilege to have people believe in this podcast and enjoy it. So thank you very much. So now to continue with the electrospinning educational episode. It was a very brief episode in the previous run, but it was just a basic description of the electrospinning process and the instrument. We have discussed the parameters of electrospinning and just the various components of the electrospinning instrument. So let's get into the various systems available in electrospinning, the various types of electrospinning methods, that is, and then also just the types of polymers that can be used and some of the other information available for electrospinning and electrospinning, of course. There are many types of electrospinning methods available. Firstly, you have multi-jet, Then you've got multi-needle and then needleless electrospinning. In multi-jet, the production of nanofibers is increased as compared to needle spinning. So this method is usually implemented where the electrospinning process needs to be upscaled. Due to the multi-jet, there is not a uniform mat that forms. So other types of methods to create a uniform mat needs to be implemented. So we'll discuss that um, a little later on. So the setup is mostly the same as needle electrospinning, but using a microfluidic device, using multiple syringes with a syringe pump. Then, for multi-needle, it's much easier to mix different polymers um, at a required ratio. Multi-needles is where a number of needles are used as spinnerets that have a single or different type of polymer solution. Multi-needle electrospinning usually delivers more uniform fibers compared to multi-jet electrospinning. The one thing that needs to be taken in account is that for an arrangement of needles, the electric field will diminish. And this is due to the needle next in arrangement. There can be tweaks made in the needle arrangement by choosing different types of anodes uh, to isolate this issue. Then for needleless electrospinning, it's usually where the electrospun fibers are formed directly from an open liquid surface. So your base collector can either rotate or move side to side or even be a conveyor belt, depending on what you need. In order to create aligned fibers, a rotating base collector helps to catch the fibers in a directional format, then dragging them into an alignment. You can also move the spinning head or the needle, um, which is where the solution is coming from, and that can be moved from side to side or up and down according to the axis that you would like. 
Collecting these fibers are tricky, so the fiber need to land on something since they are lightweight and usually very easy to break or fold into each other. So we therefore mainly decide on aluminium foil or some sort of fabric that can hold this fiber mat until it needs to be used. Um, for analysis, it's also very good to have this fabric or aluminium foil base, uh, which you can then just cut a square from it and take it to an electron microscope, etc. Now, I would like to go on and on about electric spinning, <laughs> since this is the instrument that I have been working with most during the last six years of my postgraduate studies. Um, but I don't want this episode to be an hour and a half long, so I am trying to concentrate all the information that is relevant and useful into a short episode. So if there's any questions or anything that I've missed or skipped over or some questions that you might have that I am not speaking about in this episode, then please feel free to email me um, and then I can answer that specifically for you or I will put it in another episode. So the next part that I would like to talk about um, is the polymers. You can have the parameters and the equipment and all that factors in terms of the environmental factors correct, but if you do not have the correct polymer and solvent selection, then you will have a problem with electrospinning. There are a huge range of polymers that can be used for electrospinning to make nanofibers. Various modifications, chemically and physically, can be made to adapt the application for which the fibers will be purposed for. The surface area, weight, flexibility and porous structure can be altered using these modifications to control the water resistance level, vapor transmission and air or moisture permeability. So, like I mentioned, there are a multitude of applications for electrospun fibers. Uh, and even electrosprayed particles, uh, nanofibers and nanoparticles, that is. Um, we've discussed them in the previous episode where they can be f used for wound healing treatments, um, regenerative medicine, drug delivery, packaging, air filters, water filters. They can be used for heavy metal adsorption and so much more. Polymers that are most commonly used for electrospinning are usually conductive, meaning it has a charge, and have the ability to conduct electricity. These polymers are generally not thermoplastic. For example, polymers like polyacrylonitrile, polyvinyl alcohol, polystyrene, and polyacrylic acid are most commonly used. Biomaterials, uh, which is also called biopolymers most commonly, are also great for electrospinning, such as gelatin, chitosan, and polycaprolactone. So these polymers must be able to form a solution or emulsion in the solvent of choice. And like I mentioned, the solvent needs to be volatile. It needs to be able to evaporate during the electrospinning process. Um, and usually the base collector and the needle tip is 15 centimeters away from each other. So in that distance, where the fiber is traveling from the needle to the base collector, or where the solution is traveling from the needle to the base collector, the solvent needs to be volatile enough to evaporate in that time. Solvents like TFA, 
which is a very acidic and um, not so nice solvent to work with, but it's very efficient with electrospinning since it is so volatile, uh, is commonly used for biopolymers like chitosan, which are normally difficult to dissolve in any type of solvent. So it's always important to know what your polymer is able to dissolve in. And when you bring another polymer into the equation, you also need to make sure that these polymers are miscible and they will not form some sort of agglomerate in the syringe um, during the electrospinning process, uh, which will cause spraying or um, bubbles or just clog the needle and prevent any electrospinning from occurring. There are other ways also for yielding fibers. Um, these methods are known as drawing, template synthesis, phase separation, and self-assembly. Now, I just quickly want to mention them in case electrospinning is not an option, uh, you don't have an electrospinning instrument at the moment, um, it's good to just maybe go look up these methods as well, uh, which might help you if you're urgently in need of making fibers and you do not have the equipment to do so. So drawing is where a melt solution is usually in contact with a metal rod, which then essentially drags the solution uh, into the air to create fibers. Then you've got the template synthesis, which uh, is where you have a nanoporous membrane, which basically acts as a mold, which forms the nanofibers as it hardens in this mold. Then you've got the phase separation. So here we have a polymer solution, which segregates and forms a type of gel-like effect to eventually create fibers. And self-assembly is a, a method where it requires some key strategizing. Uh, you have to know your polymer and you will work with competitive actions and surface tension, which will allow the arrangement of the polymer component into an ordered system, uh, basically an aggregate. And you can play around with the solvent-fiber interaction to allow it to assemble into a certain pattern structure, depending on the application or type of research you are aiming for. Electrospinning is a very interesting instrument to work with. It is usually a foolproof way of creating nanofibers or nanoparticles, and is normally very user-friendly and adaptable to many types of polymers and solvents if you just know the correct way of tweaking the solution and uh, playing around with the parameters, it is actually a very fun instrument to use. Please let me know what educational episodes you would like to hear from next. Uh, I really appreciate your support and I thank you for listening and subscribing. I hope you enjoy your day. Goodbye.